to a recent article by The Guardian, the great resignation is here, with millions of people around the world having recently quit their jobs or planning to. Against this backdrop, what's the picture in the real estate sector and what can be done to retain talented staff? To discuss this, I'm joined by Nina Zylerbauer and Claire Coe of real estate recruitment specialist Madison Barkley. You're listening to Sarah Jackman. Nina, Claire, many thanks to each of you for joining me today. Let's start then by having a look at the real estate sector. Perhaps you can just say and and inform our listeners what the picture is there at the moment in terms of recruitment. Well, I'm kind of showing my age here, but I've been in real estate recruitment since 2005. I can honestly say it's, it's potentially the busiest market I think I've ever worked in. There are as many live vacancies as I can ever remember there being and as many people on the move and you know talking to us as candidates about looking for a move either now or fairly imminently so I, I yeah it's an incredibly interesting market and it's an incredibly difficult market I think for employers at the moment there's almost a kind of perfect storm of factors I think um, that have created um you know gaps on teams for a start big gaps on teams and you know a a lot of you know a lot of people looking looking to move around and and change roles but for such a wide variety of reasons okay Um, so that's kind of what we're seeing okay so perhaps then we could just drill down into some of those reasons um I mean, I, I suppose one of the obvious ones is post lockdown, whether people are looking to change career, whether they're perhaps looking for, you know, um, a rebalancing of, of work life priorities. What's your sense of, of the reasons that are prompting people and, and the movement in the sector? Um, there's lots of reasons. And I think that is um, a big one that you've just mentioned. There's a lot of people that be re- evaluating um their life over over covid working out what's important to them definitely work-life balance which we're hearing a lot about i think pre-covid there was never a question of how many days in the office and what are the core hours do you have flexi time it just wasn't even a consideration whereas now i think nearly everybody we speak to about a role or one of their questions they want to know about the company that they might be interested in joining is is what's the wellness piece and what their core hours are can they work around sort of other life commitments and um, a lot of people have have moved out of London now or move further away so therefore they're looking for more flexibility around that as well. A lot of people got dogs and and really need the extra flexibility for you know for pets and things like that. I also think as well I think a lot of people during lockdown have you know, have really worked so hard and it has been, you know, so intense that I, I think we're also seeing people leaving roles at the moment without necessarily having a role to go to, but feeling actually confident that when they start looking again, you know, that confidence has come back. You know, you wouldn't leave a role when, you know, you're worried about your ability to find a new one. And at the moment, it, you know, it's, it's really this year, but particularly in the last few months, I think there's so much confidence in the market, in the fact there are so many roles that, you know, people are leaving positions and saying, well, I'm going to take a month or two, uh, particularly senior people, I guess, and this this is in particular reference to, you know, who, who can afford to have a few months out of work, but they, you know, they're not worried about the fact that they will find something new. You know, and perhaps very senior people are either retiring slightly early 
or I, I know one at the moment who's kind of said, okay, I've, I've been working 15, 16 hour days. Do I need to do this anymore? So I, I don't, I don't need to be in such a senior position. So I'm going to take a few, yeah, I'm going to take a little bit of time out and then go back in and do something I enjoy. It might not be as well paid, but I might not be doing 15 hour days. So you know, there's just lots of different factors really all, all kind of going on at the same time right now. So it sounds to me then it's it's very much an employee's marketplace at the moment. Is that right? Definitely, yeah. Um, there's just caveats to what, what Nina says. Like I think we're coming up to the end of the year bonuses, um, either Dece- December or March. And I think there'll be a lot of people who've worked really hard, especially hard this year, um, may not got a bonus last year. And um, they might be considering handing their notice in uh, before they found something. So I know I was talking to a lot of people who are in that position. So I think for employers, um, it's now's the time to to speak to um, their employees just to preempt that happening. Um, obviously, it's, not everybody's doing it, but it's just something to consider. Okay. We'll perhaps pick up on that in, in a moment, just in terms of retention and so on. But one of the things I'm interested in, I mean, you you mentioned senior people perhaps stepping down after a very intense period of work. But are you seeing vacancies emerging across all levels of the industry or, or is it at particular levels? Um, definitely, um, it's all levels. Um, there's always been a need at the more junior level. So your um, newly qualified surveyors up to associate level, there's always been a need. Um, I left Reading University in 2009 and started recruitment a couple of years later. And I remember back then it, there was a real real need for candidates at that level and that that's never gone away so um especially within sort of property management and valuation um there's always been a need for for people like that so i think it's across the board really again i think confidence too in the market so i think that come you know employers coming out of lockdown for instance have been you know with gaps in their teams have, have not been confident enough to you know put really senior level salaries and expensive salaries on their bottom line so they have tended to recruit a few months back and towards the start of the year at the more junior level because you know it was safer i suppose so there were vacancies coming up and again the same happened in 2010 when the employment market came back it started from the bottom up so it's kind of you you know the junior roles start to become more prevalent first and then again as confidence arises then employers start to feel okay well actually we you know we can afford to put more to bring more senior people on we can put those kind of extra additional salaries on on the kind of um you know on the pnl and, th- and that's really what's happening now i think there are more senior roles now than there have been you know at, at any other point during this year and indeed since you know since covid happened since march 2020 you know there's a lot of senior people on the move which is creating gaps as well as brand new positions as private equity particularly there's a lot of money flowing into real estate right now and you know businesses launch successfully fundraising and launching new funds and they need senior people to deploy that capital to develop the buildings to asset manage the buildings so that i think there's a lot of new vacancies coming up at the senior level that haven't been there before as well as gaps as people move around um yeah. so it's, it's definitely changed over the course of this year um, it started, we were very busy with junior and mid-level roles, and it's it's becoming more and more the senior end. Um, it's getting a lot busier now, I think. Okay. And in terms of the sectors where you're seeing the gaps, 
are there particular areas that are, are badly affected in, in terms of vacancies and, and lack of staff? Or are you seeing that those gaps are emerging across all sectors? Certainly um, all sectors. Definitely um, there's a need for staff, but um, we have been doing a lot in the logistics space, the alternative um, residential space. Um, a few years ago, um, we would have a few sort of residential roles and you know commercial people would not be interested in them, whereas now it's really appealing um, and lots of people want to move in to those um, spaces. And retail, obviously, a lot of people are um, wanting to move away from that sector and you know there's still requirements for asset managers and, and it, actually it's quite hard to fill those positions because everyone wants to sort of future-proof themselves out of retail. So, yeah, I would say it's across all sectors, but we have got to focus on um, logistics and alternative residential. Coming back to staff retention, I mean, one of the things that existing employers will be thinking about is, is how do they help attract staff, but also how do you retain your existing staff? I mean, what are the things that firms and employers need to be thinking about? I think the first thing they need to do is, is communicate. And I think it's been so difficult for the last few years. You know, teams haven't been together. In fact, some teams still aren't together. A lot of the pension funds are still you know, fully working from home right now. So there are plenty of teams where they possibly haven't figured out what they're working from home, you know, what the flexible policy is. So you might have, I spoke to somebody the other day who went into the office really excited about seeing all the people he worked with, but it turned out that no one else in his team had, you know, they were working from home that day. There was no, you know, they, they hadn't set a strategy for let's get everyone back in on the same days. It was just a flexible come in when you want. And I think because of that, you know, employers haven't, you know, they haven't had FaceTime with their teams for a long time. So if you're only catching up via Zoom or via a phone call, it, you know, you can have the chat about work and the current projects. I think what's been dropped a lot is actually really talking to staff about, OK, what do you want from your career? Are you happy? Are you fulfilled? Are we supporting you properly? What can we do differently? And I think that's the piece that's been missing for the for obvious reasons it's you know it's not surprising if employers have been you know desperately trying to survive and you know managing their businesses through a crisis it's not surprising if a few things were dropped along the way but that's that's really got to change now and i think that's the the biggest issue is just talking to your staff what do they want is it a, you know do they feel undervalued financially do they feel they actually you know can't drop their children off or pick the children up or those pressures from work that you know weren't they weren't feeling before everybody's different and wants different things but the employers if you want to keep good staff you need to know what those things are I think that's the first starting point really and you know and really looking at well what has changed has the workforce changed has you know our ways of working changed and realistically the answer is yes so as a business you know how on top of that do you want to be and can you be you know some businesses can be really flexible others can't be and you just need to kind of you know I don't I don't think that's been figured out yet it's I think it's all very well saying oh every business needs to offer loads of flexibility that people businesses need to look at what they can offer whilst also being able to to do their business productively I think if you're you know if your staff are asking for pay rises and less hours and more flexibility if you're losing productivity that's a big if you might not be but i think a business does need to look at what, what they can give 
And if they can't give it, communicate again effectively with their staff as to, okay, look, we, we can't be this flexible and this is the reason why, but we can give you, you know, in return, we can do this or this or this. So you've you've seen a number of ways in which employers can can help retain staff. I know that one thing that you've noticed recently is a rise in counter offers. So where people are coming to their employer and and saying that they have found alternative employment, that employer is is then countering with with a higher offer or a better offer in in some way. Um, To what extent do they work, do you think? I think it's 80% of candidates who accept a counter offer by their current employers are looking again or have moved within six months. Okay. So, yeah, so there's an, there's, it's not always down to money. Um, say so that you know, so if they, if they accept um, the increased offer, those other niggling reasons of why they were looking in the first place are always still going to be there. So, like Nina was saying earlier, if you're, you're not communicating with your staff, you don't know what those reasons are. You can throw money at the situation, but it's not going to keep keep that person happy. That it's not not just money. So it's a short term fix, isn't it? And I think I think a lot of candidates do have their heads swayed and they think, oh, brilliant, that's fantastic. I've just got a massive new pay, you know, a really big pay rise because they've almost got a jump with the original offer to go somewhere else and then a jump some, you know, at the current employer to stay. So it's it's a, it's a big extra and that is really appealing and exciting. And then when the excitement of that wears off, the underlying reasons, because money isn't isn't usually actually somebody's main reason for looking for a role. It might be a stated reason, but there's generally something else. And, it, you know, whether it is culture, flexibility, whatever it might be, or or feeling, you know, unchallenged mentally or, you know, promotion prospects, whatever those things are, I think accepting a counteroffer keeps you happy, I'd say, for about a month to six weeks before you start to realise, well, nothing's actually changed, I've just paid more. Um, So I I just think businesses, you know, because it's really, really costly and such a waste of resource if you make one, to then six months later find yourself in a position where you're having to refill the role anyway. Um, you know, it's, it's mentally draining, I think, for employers as well to have been through that process and then for it not to work. You know, I think almost by the point at which you're at a counteroffer, it's, it's slightly too late, which is why we're talking about the communication piece earlier. You know, you, you really want to be, it shouldn't be a surprise when someone resigns. You should have either been expecting it or have done what you could so that situation doesn't happen already. From an employee's perspective, then, I mean, we've talked about the employer. Um, from the employee's perspective, if they receive a counter offer, what, what would be your advice to them? I mean, what, what are the things they should be weighing up? Um, again, it's, um, you know, why why has their current company not already given them the, that salary? Like, what, why have they not valued them early, early enough? Um, it's normally, like we were saying, like a, a knee-jerk reaction and actually the core of why you're moving actually isn't due, due to the money. And um, actually, you might then price yourself out staying where you are for, for new roles and then you really do become pigeonholed and your career prospects are um, limited. So actually, on your career, long-term career, it's counterproductive and then you're still sort of... <laughs> sat where you are in the same desk so that's something to really consider it's a a long-term career choice um moving roles we often say to people go you know write your pros and cons lists and really think you know go back to why you were looking write down everything you know you you love about your current company and, and everything that you're missing 
and really, really evaluate what you're making that decision on. You know, and, and sometimes, of course, sometimes it is just that they love their company and they did want more money, in which case, great, that they're, they're the 20% of people it works with and they stay. But for others, just, you know, really, really think about your initial reasons and what the most important thing you're trying to achieve is in this next move. And just going back then to the broader market, I mean, how do you see the real estate employment market evolving over the next sort of six to 12 months? Do you see things continuing as they are or do you expect things to to settle down a little bit? I think definitely continuing how they are, especially um, in the short to medium term. Um, like I said before, with bonuses coming up, people there'll be there'll be more movement then. So that sort of March um, time, obviously, um, depending on COVID and things like that, we, we can't predict that the future. But I think if things stay how they are, um, it's going to remain constantly um, busy. Um, yeah, I think at least until, uh, say, after March, when a good proportion of the industry's bonuses are paid um, in March, probably more so than December. So I think that that kind of end of March, April date, I think will be as busy up until then. And then perhaps at that point, depending what the wider economy is doing, that might be the time when things start to settle down a bit. I think construction particularly, though, on the construction side of things, you know, there's such a, a lack of supply, a lack of worker and also, but also investor demand for, you know, building new offices, industrial, you know, retail warehouses, data centres. I don't see how that market can get quieter for a, a long time. So, you know, that's very particularly in the construction sector. I think there's, you know, there are staff shortages and, and, and businesses really need to think about how to, as you say, attract and retain staff. And train them really, you know, training new individuals with these skills to be ahead of the curve, I suppose, is, is you know, another answer, because that I, I can't see how that bit of the market is going to get any less busy for a long time. I think the w- wider market, perhaps they will settle down a bit after bonuses are paid, but we'll see. All right. Busy times ahead for you both. Nina, Claire, many thanks indeed for your time today. It's It's been really good to catch up and just hear a little bit about what's going on in the employment market currently. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the Bricks and Mortar archive at podbean.com and the EGI archive at egi.co.uk.